This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform. I am sitting here with April Blackford. April, did you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. So, just wanted to talk a little bit, uh, kind of refreshing um, with everyone. We did our, uh, you know, for members, we specifically have a meal planning group. And we've really been pushing for members, you know, coaches have been doing for a while where we were sharing pictures and then, you know, our screenshots um, from MyFitnessPal or whatever. And what we really try to do is encourage people to go that one step further and post, you know, their, their links for specific days. And so somebody has a really good recipe that they've loaded into MyFitnessPal, something like that, and they've loaded it on January 9th, that they use the link. It's a little hard to do. Um, I'm actually in communication with MyFitnessPal, which is kind of nice. Um, and so I'm going to talk to them a little bit about some of these problems that, um, you know, it would allow, like as an example, most people find that they're not able to share this through mobile. And I think that would be really helpful considering the fact that virtually everyone is on mobile these days for everything. Um, but we gave away five health boxes. Um, I kind of let the cat out of the bag that this week we're going to be giving away a bunch of the pair of the new speed TRs. What I think that everyone needs to understand is that as a member, what we're really just trying to do is encourage you guys um, to kind of do, you know, do what you, what you bought, right? You bought, you know, some level of accountability, some level of trying to figure things out for yourself. And so, you know, I mean, if you want to call it a bribe, you can call it a bribe, but you know, uh, the active people, tend to win prizes. And we didn't really tell people about the health boxes because we knew that that was going to be a really sought after one. Um, I will tell you guys this, those aren't the only health boxes that we're going to be giving away. Um, but it's not going to be specific to meal planning. And I've already said too much. So I'm going to um, kind of leave that out there. But um, it has been cool, you know, um, getting kind of this level of excitement going. I feel like more than any other time before in e Perform land um, that customers have understood where we were coming from. And um, I think that some of that is we've gotten a lot of feedback and we've learned how to communicate better with people. And uh, part of it is things like this webinar and part of it is the people using fundamentals. I'm telling you guys, if you're a member and you're not using fundamentals or you're a lifetime member and you're not using the quick start classes, you really should because really a lot of good stuff happens there. And My good news is, is that my fundamentals class tomorrow is completely slim book. Yeah. Well, I got bad news for you or – you know, I think one of the things that sort of frustrates me with fundamentals 
Um, and, and maybe we can address this using webinars or something like that. But people don't show up, you know. So 20, 25 people sign up and then only 17 people show up. So that means that eight people that could have been there, you know, it's sort of it's sort of frustrating. You know, I get it. Sometimes people have things that come up, but I mean, they could cancel. You know, if they if they figure that out, and then they're not taking the spot from someone else. So something to think about when we're talking about the fundamentals. I know, you know, sometimes people get all haughty about that and go, you know, well, I bought this, and you know, just because I didn't use it. But think of it from the standpoint of somebody that's just starting off, right? That needs the help. You know, um, I think that that can be super, super helpful. Um, anything, you know, anything that you can think of right off the bat? I mean, like, like I, I know, you know, it, it really is in some ways it's really exciting because we've got so many people to, to deal with and we're, you know, um, virtually everything that we're doing is working right now. So that's a positive. Um, Working is good whenever we're changing lives. So yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I you know I'm going to actually be meeting up with April in Greensboro, North Carolina, for the War of the Wads. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do. Um, I should probably talk a little bit about what I've been doing as part of this just getting started series, where um, I've been doing kind of exercise throughout the day because I think that that. Um, well, people are very interested in that, and they should be very interested in it because it's kind of a cool way of of doing it. So we, I will, we'll talk about food perfection, and then we'll talk about um, taking a long, slower approach with the exercise. Um, so I'm just writing notes so I don't forget. But yeah, the the courses where we're able to kind of have classes, you know, it's it's fairly obvious that that is going to be um, the direction that we go, you know, in um, you know 2016 and prepping for 2017. So so two stories. Um, one, I was talking. To Susie today, she was in. Um, she was helping me. Sarah was busy with her son at the orthodontist today, so um, I believe that Susie said that her grandfather was a, a mayor of Bossier City. I've talked in the past about about poker and poker stories. Um, one of the the, the best poker stories I've ever had. It, it's really interesting because I've played poker with a lot of people. Uh, and uh, one of the, the guys that made a really big impression on me was um, the guy that played Luther on um, Coach, um, Jerry Van Dyke, Dick Van Dyke's brother. And Jerry Van Dyke at the time lived outside of Texarkana, Texas, um, or Arkansas. Well, you know, it's like right there. Um, and he liked to play poker. And this was way before, you know, anything um, where, 
you know, like poker exists now, right? There was no no limit poker. It was mostly limit poker. And I was probably a couple years into my journey. I was not a very good poker player at that point, not, not as good as I became, but um, I played fairly significant stakes um, for that time. You know, for that time, you know, 30, 60, or 50, 100 was like a lot of money. Um, and later on, the games became much bigger. Someone's asking, is there an agenda for this webinar? Uh, the theme for this webinar is we're going to talk about um, avoiding food perfection, and then we're going to talk a little bit about why, um, you know, how you can vary your exercise and, and get in more volume. And so we'll kind of address that afterwards. But uh, we also, you know, this is the podcast, and so we try to keep it relatively entertaining. If you're listening to the podcast right now, and and April doesn't know this, but, you know, almost a 1,000 people download it immediately. I mean, it's kind of unreal how many people listen to it. Um, and so if you're not a member, you don't know that there's you know, 50 members um, listening to these conversations. And, you know, sometimes I'll ask questions like Robin's actually talking about the um, living with the Navy SEAL. And um, she's talking about how she feels like a wuss with her workouts. And, uh, you know, she's asking me how to push it harder. So I'll, I'll bring that up um, as I'm talking about um, my, uh, you know, experiences in the last week. And I'll talk a little bit about how I'm varying my exercise. So I was going to Bossier City to play poker with Jerry Van Dyke. And when Jerry Van Dyke would show up, he wasn't a great poker player. So a lot of other poker players would show up. Some were better than me. Some weren't as good as me. But in general, you know, if you have one or two bad players, you know, he's a great guy. He's just a bad poker player, right? Um, funniest dude I've ever played poker with by far, you know. Um, and so, you know, which I guess isn't too surprising, but I've played poker with Michael Jordan. I've played poker with, you know, a lot of you know, sitcom people, and for him to be the funniest of all of them, I think Ray Romano, Brad Garrett, you know, like a lot of those types of people. So um, we were playing, and there was this guy named Keith Lear, and Keith was kind of an action guy. Like, he, he, he just was like a gambler. And what was funny about Keith is that I think he, he was really good at, like, pot limit games, and really good when the stakes got high and was kind of a bluffing guy and things of that nature. Um, but he liked to make the game. And and later on, I sort of learned, I actually became friendly with Keith. I wouldn't say that we were friends, but we've talked online, things of that nature. But a lot of what I learned from Keith, I don't think he, you know, when the when poker moved to like pot limit, no limit, that suited Keith a little bit more. Limit poker really wasn't his thing because it requires a little bit more patience, a little bit more, you know, just kind of waiting and folding and stuff like that. And so that worked out okay for me because I was kind of see-through at that point. I wasn't particularly a good poker player, but, um, you know, in the presence of a lot of bad poker players, I could win. So Keith and Jerry 
it's literally the first hand. We're all like unracking our chips. And I mean, you wouldn't buy into this game with less than five thousand dollars in chips. So, so you know, I think I bought in for five thousand. Um, you know, most people had ten to twenty thousand dollars sitting in front of them, and it was funny because it wasn't really even that big of a game. It was only I, I believe it was only thirty sixty. But I could be wrong. It might have been something like fifty one hundred or eighty one sixty or something of that nature. Um, so the chips start flying. And Jerry and Keith go back and forth. And you could look at the board and you could see that. Why? But I'm kind of frozen. Um, but you could see that there was a straight out there. And so it was fairly clear to everyone, including Keith, that uh, the you know, Jerry had a made hand, and when it got to be heads up, you could basically go till, you know, till one person stopped, and, and clearly at this point, neither of them would stop. I think at one point, Jerry stopped, you know, in, you know, right past, shoot, <laughs> um, right past the flop, because he started realizing, like, he was just gonna put in all his money, Keith wasn't going to stop gambling. Then on the turn, nothing changed. Jerry's still betting. Keith's still raising. Eventually, Keith gets him to stop. On the river, Keith makes a small straight, but Jerry still has the big straight. And they're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And and Keith or 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 Jerry you know, Luther um, from coach, like looks at his hand so many times, there's just no way he doesn't have it, right? Because he just keeps checking to make sure that he didn't misread his hand over and over again. And Keith has literally put thousands of dollars in the very first hand we were playing. And at one point, Jerry says to him, he's like, I'm not going to stop raising I have the best hand. Um, he goes, you know, I mean, maybe we have the same hand and we could just get all of our chips in. He goes, but I don't, I don't, I don't know why you're doing this. And then Keith looks at him and, and says, well, I'm, I'm doing it because I don't want to seem like a pussy. Um, and Jerry's like, okay, fine, you know. So Jerry actually stops. He, he, you know, he has the best hand. He knows that Keith's not going to stop for some reason. Um, and he, he just turns over his hand. He's got the winning hand. Keith folds. I mean, still to this day, I don't remember a pile of chips that big. And I've played in poker games all over the world. And so Jerry – is raking in his chips, right? And as he's raking in his chips, he said to Keith, he looks at him, he said, well, boy, I'm just going to tell you one thing. He said, you might be a lot of things, but one thing you ain't is a pussy. <laughs> I mean, you have to imagine this guy, like, pulling in all these chips. And so I apologize for the profanity, but truthfully, like, the story isn't the same if you don't use 
the exact words. Um, the other story I was going to say, I've been kind of meaning to say this one. Uh, we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, older cars and like the life that we all used to live and stuff like this. And one time my wife and I, we drove down to uh, Louisiana to visit my family. And at one point, you know, I, I stopped driving and she, um, actually, you know what, I'm going to hold off on this story cause it's actually a, a little bit longer, but it, it's, it's pretty funny and we sort of need to get on to the topic at hand. So, the other day, you know, we've been posting a few things and we're getting a lot of interest from people that do, um, you know, my fitness pal and some of the tricks that we're putting out there related to food scales, related to like keeping food fresh, Instapot, things of that nature. People are really, really liking that content. And so if you're looking at making ETP TV videos, um, Instapot videos would be very, very popular. Um, but one of the things that someone said right off the bat, and, and we can talk about different contexts because this actually comes up a lot, is we were talking about salads and the person was talking about keeping their fr salads fresh and she was using a plastic container and, um, you know, for the most part, everyone was finding it really helpful and literally thousands of people viewed it and found it really interesting. But one person, of course, says, you know, too bad it's wrapped in all that plastic. I think that the problem that you run into, and people will say this about microwaving food, Instapot is really steamed, so I don't think people are really going to say that too much. But, uh, you know, who knows, man? <laughs> people, you know... Here's the problem with what that person is saying. Is it better to eat nothing rather than eating something that is pure? You know, I mean, I think everyone, including the person making the video, would argue that, you know, fresh greens right out of the garden um, would be great to eat, are going to have more nutrients things of that nature. But you can't always do that. And so allowing for some things that have some convenience, it's sort of like people that are so super against. And I really think that a lot of this comes from the rigid background, you know, where people believe that the answer is related to the rigidity. And because of that, they're really putting out you know, this message, and they're excluding so many people. You know, as someone with a family of four, I have a small family, but there's still times where I want to be able to get in a salad, and I don't want to have to go to a, to a garden, fight a rabbit, you know what I'm saying? Like, like all these different things, you know, to make sure that my food is pure, and so it doesn't have chemicals on it and stuff like that. Of course organic food is probably something that you should pursue but is that better than having rotting food you you see you see where i'm going with that april i mean like i i think that you know if you can afford organic food and you can go to the grocery store awesome okay but not everybody can 
And, you know, you say, well, you know, they could make it a, a bigger priority in their life. The science really isn't on your side, you know. The science really isn't on the side of the food purity people. Certainly, you know, a diet of mostly meats and veggies is going to be positive. And don't misconstrue. See, that's the problem where that's what that's the discussion we're having is getting too caught up in food perfection that you paint yourself into a corner and you don't do reasonable things. And so one example I, you know, we had a coaching client and she had a death in the family and she was asking, you know, some of the strategies that she should have had because there was just a bunch of funeral food. And what would I have done differently? And I said, I wouldn't have done anything differently. Um, there are times where there's no food available and you just have to eat Subway. You know, there are times where, you know, and then, you know, Certainly, you could make Subway work for your life. You know, what I mean, they're, they're, you know, this kind of food demonization thing, you know, is is kind of a net negative, and ultimately distracts, and and so you end up painting yourself into a corner. Same thing with sort of microwaving food, right? You know, the the narrative was always that, you know, microwaving food took the nutrients out of it. You know, that's not true. Um, would it be better, once again, you know, to eat a certain amount of raw foods, a certain amount of, you know, things that kind of look like it just came out of nature? I would argue that, yes, it would. I mean, most people don't know that one of the biggest changes in my life was embracing juicing. And the impact that had on me in regards to changing my palate and making vegetables a bigger part of my life. And when I did that, you know, that was a game changer. Um, but I was coming from a relatively unhealthy background. I think what sort of happens and, and, you know, people send me things and they say, well, what do you think about this? And I was listening to this Harvard guy talk and there's nothing wrong about what he was saying, right? He's like, you know, in the nutrition science department at Harvard and, you know, I'm sure the science of what he was saying was awesome. Um, but it always is based on relatively sedentary people that don't do very much. When you can up your amounts of food, the sheer amount of food gets you more vitamins. Let me just say that again, because that's important, is people that under eat are often deficient in vitamins simply because they're not having enough nutrition, you know, in their overall food intake. And so some of what people argue as it relates to being, you know, pro-fat, What's sort of interesting is that because we mention moderate carbohydrates, we, we get kind of labeled as, you know, kind of, you know, carbohydrate and against fat. We're certainly not against fat. In fact, we believe that your activity should allow enough room for both fats and carbohydrates. So I'm going to hand this off to April 
because I know that April in the past, you know, you've had, you've been vegetarian. Um, you, you, you probably, um, had the most beautiful whole foods that I'd ever seen when we first met. I still have them. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, but, but you were sort of caught up in the food purity thing for a while and it, and, and your mentality changed a little bit, right? I mean, it, am I reading that incorrectly? Um, I would have to say that in regards to the food purity, I believe, you know, I agree with what you're saying. I do agree that, you know, if you can afford organic or you can afford fresh, you know, obviously it's, uh, I think it would probably be a little better for you. But if you can't, anything's better than nothing. You know, don't avoid eating salads just because you can't afford to go to Whole Foods and pay $6 for a head of organic kale or lettuce or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I do, I highly agree about the, you know, the fact that when someone under eats, you don't get an adequate amount of micronutrients. Um, and I do highly believe in getting variety, you know, having a variety of colors in your diet and not everything's going to be in season, you know, so, you know, some things you may have to buy frozen or, you know, whatever to get some variety in. Um, I do think variety is very, very important, you know, kind of like bodybuilders who just eat chicken, rice, broccoli, five meals a day, every single day, all year long, you know, that's, that's just not an adequate amount of, you know, variety, you know, of foods in general. Um, so I do agree there. And you were talking about the, the dietary fats, you know, a lot of people don't, we're definitely not anti-fat, you know, by no means, you know, right. obviously you need the adequate amount of dietary fats for healthy hormone function, you know, but we just don't, we just kind of aren't in the boat of, you know, taking, you know, three shots of MCT oil and going and working out and, you know, maybe being on the verge of pooping your pants or, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying not to be embarrassed because you're basically calling me out, April, but yeah, that did happen to me once. <laughs> I, I tried it one day and once I had the gurgling, no, it, no, it just wouldn't work. But, you know, again, with the fats, you know, it's it's all about variety. You want the, you know, the variety, the the balance of, you know, all different, you know, the the monounsaturated and the polyunsaturated fats, you know. So I, I do agree with that. Um, for me, you know, whenever I was, I was a vegetarian for five years, you know, I kind of looked at, you know, veggies were my, you know, they were my protein. They were my, you know, which I will say that during that time I was not carb deficient by any means. You know, so well, most most vegetarians tend to be fruititarians, right? Because they need energy, you know, and so they tend to be over reliant on, you know, things like rice or or things like fruits, um, which isn't, you know, certainly isn't bad. I mean, we we I I actually love the fact that we have a growing vegetarian and even vegan. Um, contingent as part of eat perform because I just feel like you know excluding people it's it's sort of like what we're talking about here is that you know if if you can afford you know organic foods or you can eat fresh out of the garden because there's a farmer you know making the food for you that's awesome that's great for you I mean I'm super super happy for you but I think it gets to this point of, of kind of elitism with it. And 
it's not very inclusive to people that don't have those, you know, advantages. And I think just because, you know, I CrossFit or just because I can eat fresh food or just, you know, any of the things that kind of cause people to be elitist about whatever it is that they do. I just think that, you know, you're, you're maybe missing the boat. You know, I mean, I, I can give actually a real quick anecdote to that. Um, there was a doctor that we were playing poker with, um, and this, this wasn't a game that I was in, but um, the doctor drew out on this guy and kind of put a bad beat on him, which you guys probably, you know, not everybody knows what that, that means. But, um, but the guy really started to, to talk to him negatively and say, you know, you, you know, you idiot, why could you do that? You know, and this guy is like a surgeon, you know, well, not two hours later, that guy has a, a heart attack and then the doctor saves his life right so it turns out he wasn't that big of an idiot after all you know i think that that's what happens with food i think that we get to a point where we paint ourselves in a rigid corner and you know like dr phil says how's that working for you you know um you probably wouldn't be listening to this right now if it worked for you real well right and so just allowing for that little bit of flexibility. I mean, even, you know, Dr. Cordain, you know, in the Paleo Solution originally, almost every single diet out there agrees that 80% adherence is fine. And I really think that, you know, the people that turned all those different messages into this really rigid message, you know, you know, in the wrong hands can end up looking sort of like an eating disorder honestly i think any plan you know any plan nutrition training you know any type of plan that has a rigidness to it is it's just not sustainable you're setting yourself up you know to disappoint yourself or to feel like you're a failure if something happens you know like i've, I've worked with some people who you know and i used to be the same way how you have the rigid training schedule you know, that you're going these exact days, you're doing this exact program, and when life gets in the way and you can't go, you know, it's like your whole week is ruined. You know, it's all ruined. You know, it's all screwed up. Right. And and it's, that's just not, that's just not a normal life to live, you know. I, I tell my husband daily, you know, I'm 38 years old, you know, I would like to hope and pray that I'm going to live till I'm like 98. But even if I do live to 98, you know, I've only got 50 more years left <laughs> and then that's it. You know, well, no. math is not your friend there. You would have 60 more years, <laughs> but, but I get your no. point. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Like, uh, oh, wait a <laughs> oh, you got me on that one. <laughs> but you know, what I'm saying is, is, you know, do you want to spend your life, you know, stressing out over food or over, you know, your, you know, just the, the rigidness in your life, you know, things that sometimes you just can't control, or do you want to, you know, sometimes roll with the punches and make the best of what you have? Now, now, just to, before we move on to like the next part where we talk about, you know, the exercise, um, I don't particularly eat with a lot of variety. And so I think that there are some times where 
you know, if you're new to meal planning, it might make some sense to try and have some order. I think there are other times where not in a super rigid way, but if you, you know, you've established your metabolism, you've, you, you've normalized things a bit, and you still have fat to use, kind of sticking to the plan is fairly important. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of people listening to the message that we're saying, you know, I made a post actually talking about mindset and how mindset will often, you know, kind of hold people back. And, and what I meant was, is your family loves you, right? Your husband loves you. Um, you're surrounded by a bunch of people that are super positive, similar to the people that eat perform, and you're surrounded by a bunch of people, you know, at your gym that are, that are really supportive. But at the end of the day, you know, from a health perspective, it might make some sense to lose, you know, some weight, right? If you're morbidly obese, you probably should still have that as a goal. I think mindset can sort of stick you there. So what we're not saying is, is get comfortable, you know, where you're at, you know. Um, I do believe that you should be comfortable in your own skin, and I think every journey should start there. But don't neglect your goals going, well, April and Paul said, I can have some level of flexibility. April's talking about variety. I do try to have variety. Uh, you know, I try to, you know, when, I, when I'm out to eat, you know, I'll have, you know, dense green salads, um, certainly have, you know, some level of variety. But most days I eat kind of the same thing. I mean, like, if you guessed three things on what I'm going to eat on Tuesday, you're going to be right a lot. <laughs> You know, because I eat similar stuff over and over again. And that's just the way that my life works. Um, the last thing I'm going to say there is that I know a lot of people don't drink milk and dairy products. Um, and this time of year, uh, vitamin D is so, so important. And we're sitting here. You know, I'm in my basement. I think it's minus four degrees outside right now, you know. And so, you know, I'm finding that if I don't get really serious about my vitamin D, it's it's really sort of messing me up. Um, any thoughts before we move on to kind of the, the exercise thing? I just wanted to add that the variety I was referencing was to Whole Foods. <laughs> I was just talking about the, the rigidness of – you know, some people it's an all or nothing, you know, and then when they don't perfect it, you know, it's, you know, they, they get stressed out and they want to quit. Um, I do, I do think that you had a good point in regards to with someone just starting out, you know, if they're food prepping and, and planning, meal planning, things like that, having a basic structure, you know, of a few foods that you rotate would be a great idea just to get into a comfortable groove and routine of, you know, getting to your targets. Um, and then once you, you know, kind of practice that for a while, then you can start adding in more variety. Um, I do think that that's good. I, th I, I kind of thought we should probably bring up the, you know, of course this may be the deadly topic that we don't want to strike up, but, you know, we get asked like daily about the sugar 
the sugar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like the sugar thing is, 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 is sort of tiring. I mean, I don't even think it really requires a lot of attention. There, there was one person that was asking, she's like, you guys are nailing it 100%. You know, I found myself trying to be perf you know, perfect with food and it's always been a barrier. Um, I'll just go ahead and tell you, you know, I probably eat Chipotle three times a week. So she was asking me, what do I do related to, to food perfection? That's one of the things that I do is I allow for um, kind of a slower food option, you know, where you can get a decent amount of protein. Um, a little high in sodium, but that really doesn't matter for me because I'm fairly athletic. So the more athletic stuff you do, um, sodium isn't as big of a deal. But, you know, we do look at a lot of food logs. There's a lot of sausages in there and there's a lot of things like that. And so, you know, some people will retain a lot of water. Because I started to say, in regards to the sodium topic, I think some people are much more sensitive than others are. And to add, sausage is like one of the best foods on earth, but you can't eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and not wake up with sausage fingers. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, I just want to clear up the whole sugar thing. Um, we're not pro-sugar. Like, we're not, you know, like if you eat 40%, of your calories in sugar, that's probably going to be a real negative. The problem is, is that people go, well, they're pro-carbohydrate, and carbohydrate turns to glucose, which is sugar. It's got an O's at the end of it. Okay, that sort of misses the overriding point, and all you're really trying to do is make an argument that really is not founded in science. Um, a lot of people will argue that your body doesn't need carbohydrates, that it can make it. Okay, but it's relatively inefficient at doing that. I mean, it is doing it on some level right now. In my body, right now, on some level, it's doing it. But providing your body with an adequate amount of starches so you can perform athletically potentially keeping the the tissue that that you're breaking down within your workouts and, and building newer stronger tissue along the way when people talk about fat loss they don't often focus on see that's where the sugar narrative that's really where the sugar narrative is it's just you know well, first of all, I've taken out all refined sugars. Okay, awesome. How's that going? Well, I lost some weight initially. So now, you know, I'm going to cut out all my fruit. It's assuming that the less, less, less narrative, right? It's not about sugar. It really isn't about sugar for you. It's about calories, you know? And your assumption is that fewer calories is always the answer. We're pro-starch. We're pro-moderation. Um, we believe that you should be able to eat sugar, um, you know, at times and not be overly weird about it. It's sort of like what we were talking about with food perfection. I think that's why April brought it up, and I think this is a good time for that topic. 
But if you're asking me, I, I mean, I'll just I'll just go ahead and say it. I mean, you know, I've been kind of like staying away from this for a while, but you know, I was at a Whole Thirty seminar. Okay, this was you know seven eight years ago when Rob Wolf got kicked out of CrossFit and Whole Thirty started to take over, and so I was you know actually pretty pretty <laughs> turned out I was pretty smart at nutrition even at that point because it was the it was the second day of a two-day seminar and i had been talking to melissa and dallas um who were running the seminar and the, the, the people that started whole 30. and i brought in um some dark chocolate and dallas was like totally cool with it um like no big deal at all melissa lost it I mean, like, like started talking like in a high pitched voice and, and stuff like this. And I go, I don't get it. Like, what's the big deal? And she's like, well, dark chocolate's got sugar in it. I was like, actually, this dark chocolate is 90%. And the only sugar in it is from strawberries, which isn't really super high anyway. I said, you know, you've been telling me about fats this whole seminar. Dark chocolate is mostly fat. So any spike that I might get from the infinitesimal amount of sugar would be blunted by the fat from the chocolate i said how is it possible that that 10 percent is being you know highlighted when from a physiological standpoint it makes no sense at all and, and you know she didn't really have a good answer for that and at that point, I started realizing I, I might want to start my own company at some point because that seems like something somebody should know. And I know that dark chocolate has become more acceptable. You know, at that point, you know, it was it, Whole30 was even, I don't know if it was more rigid than it is now. They've become more accepting of, of a few things. But in general, there's always this kind of like food perf perfection narrative and you know I, I you know i'm not about like attacking whole 30 i could give a shit you know i mean like they have their customers we have our customers you know it's fine i think in general you know the whole meats and veggies thing you know i'm for that you know and if you were eating like a moron and you start eating meats and veggies you know that's probably a good thing but i think you know like systems like whole 30 assume that everybody eats like a moron and then anybody that's struggling the more rigid they can be the better um i was already lean i had already lost a lot of weight i was very active um and so for me to have you know to be hungry and to eat you know but i mean it was it was it was it was pretty funny i'm pretty sure i've told april this story before you know i've told a few people this story before but that that gave me a clue like that i did not want to be aligning with with those guys I you just, know, I, I had a um it's it's, it's actually it's a current co coaching client but i did one-on-one -on -one with her about a year ago 
And I remember talking to her on the telephone and she was telling me her nutrition history and things that she had done and so forth and so on. And she said, you know, she participated in some challenges at her gym and, you know, initially she, she saw some results and then it gradually faded. And she said, I was asking, you know, what the challenges entailed. And she said, well, we would do, you know, normal, you know, challenges where you, you know, restrict starches, you know, no, you know, potatoes, white potatoes, things like that, pretty much strict paleo. She said, well, then we would do strict challenges. I said, well, what exactly is a strict challenge compared to the non-strict? She said, well, you weren't allowed to eat fruit. She said, you couldn't eat fruit. You couldn't eat any potatoes, any rice, nothing. Basically, all you could eat was you couldn't eat carrots. You couldn't eat anything that had natural sugars to it. And, and I was just blown away. And I was I like, I, Eat to Perform started because of one of those challenges. And I, well, I was blown away. Just like that at the gym that I was working out at. And I was trying to explain to everyone and no one, well, I had a group of people that would listen to me, but there was about five to 10 people. And then when they got their body fat test results, it was awful and it turned into a train wreck when I said to them, hey, remember when I was telling you guys that super rigid isn't the way to go? And, you know, not everybody wanted to hear that. So I started blogging about it. Now, I already knew April at this point. Um, and, you know, within months, you know, she had kind of joined me. And then we started building this thing together. But, um, yeah, I mean, no, that that's very real. Um, no Lara bars, no butter. Um, there was, there was like, just, you know, in general, just, you know, some, some blueberries or some strawberries, you know, that is grown naturally from the earth. You know, <laughs> it yeah. has, you know, vitamins and antioxidants in it and fiber, you know, and things that you need in your diet. But I don't know why that would ever be considered bad. Well, you and, know, and then, like, if you, if you own a gym, right. And you're trying to teach people to be more physically capable as an answer to their overall solution. Why the 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 extreme less narrative? You know what I mean? And that's where I think it kind of gets to be a, a little negative. It was it was actually that challenge for her that sent her seeking for something better when she found Eat to Perform and she's been here over a year ever since. You know. I mean Thank you, all of those challenges, because <laughs> you would not exist if it weren't for you, right? I mean, the good majority of people that show up and do Eat to Perform, like, I've tried everything, and then they find a home here, right? So I just want to talk a little bit because, you know, I've been talking about this book, Living with the Navy SEAL. I think the guy's named Jesse Inser. Um, his wife is the owner of or started Spanx. Um, I think her name's Sarah Blakely. They have a Navy SEAL that lives with them for 30 days in an effort for him to get into shape so he can do um, this ultra marathon. And so he puts him through all these like extreme challenges. And as I was reading it, I mean, like, like Robin is saying, it's very motivating because you start to realize like you could be doing so much more. But one of the things that they talk about in the book that is really enlightening is 
just throughout the day doing 20 push drop and give me 20 right like, and and then by the end of the day the guy had done 500 you know push-ups and so i was like this is exactly my ticket and and because it's been a little hard to get to the gym on occasion and then something comes up and right now i need to train for uh, this competition. Now I've been pretty religious about my airdyne sprint, so my my breath is good. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's like Uber CrossFit good, but you know, it'll be fine. I think we're going to be competing. You know, in a in a Masters event, and it's not going to be super strenuous. But I think the first day I did about four to five hundred push-ups. I wasn't really paying that much attention. Then I started to add them kind of almost as challenges. So what Robin was asking is, um, how do you come up with these? And basically, what I do is I come up with, it's not really super well thought out. I mean, it's, it's really, um, you know, I have good work capacity. I do will say to you guys that I have a superpower um, and I heal really well. I recover very, very well. Um, when I was in a motorcycle accident, I recovered within, or I was off pink medication in two days. Um, the doctor was like, what the, <laughs> you know, I mean, he was, he was very blown away by that. Um, so the next day I did a thousand lunges. Um, hundred at a time. I did 50, 50 on each leg all at once. So what a lot of people don't realize when you do a lunge, right? You got one leg and then another leg, and then you do your your lunges, and all of a sudden it adds up to a hundred. The problem is, is that you don't get as good muscle activation doing it that way because alternating the leg allows you for some level of rest. So when I do my lunges, I just do the one leg. 50 at a time and yes you feel it you know um people were like you're not going to be able to walk i'm not going to lie to you when i sat down on the on the toilet you know um or, or any chair i guess i probably could have used maybe the toilet was tmi um but sat in a chair you know i felt it but you know you have to realize that you know i've been exercising for years and now, you know, I've built up this work capacity. The next day's challenge was much harder. Um, I did 240 pull-ups, 240 dead hang pull-ups. Um, no kipping, you know, um, five at a time. And I thought, you know, that it would be okay. My hands are, are starting to feel better, but your grip, like my grip around 180 pull-ups was like insane, you know? Everyone thought that the lunges thing was gonna be hard because that's something that they do often, but they don't do 240 pull-ups often. The 240 pull-ups was a lot harder than the lunges. Um, was Am I sore afterwards? Not as much as, as the lunges, you know, um, just because it's not like a muscle act activation um, delayed onset muscle soreness thing. 
But uh, then the next day, I did abs. I will say I stopped halfway through. And, you know, this is just something that I know that you guys might not know about yourself. Um, but you don't want to strain your abs. Um, my biceps, as an example, are a little tender from doing all the pull-ups. But I can deal with that. If you strain your abs, you're done for a while, right? And so what I was doing, I initially was going to do a 1,000 sit-ups. And I was really working a lot of my upper body. And so I switched to 50 sit-ups and then 100 flutter kicks so I could get more of that lower abdomen work. Flutter kick is basically you have your your hands, you know, kind of you can actually do it without your hands, but I, I like having my hands to sort of protect my lower back. And then you're basically just hovering your feet going back and forth. Like if you can see your feet would go like this, and then I would just count to 100. And, um, you know, it, get, it, it you know, flutter kicks is like one of the worst named exercises ever, you know, because it sounds so easy, but it really, really hurts. Um, then the other thing that I started doing, uh, you know, because another really good exercise for your lower abs is dragon flags. Now, if you don't know what a dragon flag is, um, you can YouTube it. It's fairly extreme. I would say if you're not, if you don't have a really strong core, you know, don't, don't, don't try dragon flags right now. You know, um, I do have a really strong core. And so basically, you know, what you do is you sort of raise your legs up in the air and then you gradually, you know, bring your legs down just off of the force of holding your abs tight. And, um, you know, I posted a YouTube video in the, the Science Lab Off Topic the other day, um, but I was doing them in front of my wife and she was like, oh my God, you know, you know, there's just some things that like, I don't even know that I can do, but you know, you know, you built up this work capacity. Um, Jenna is, is sort of teasing me because she's saying that, um, you were so sore. I knew it. Um, I will tell you guys that I was sore and, uh, but I'm not going to tell you guys that I'm sore. Just like <laughs> my, my, my wife, you know, my wife was like complaining the whole time. You know, she did like this, this lat exercise and she's like, I've been sore for four days and she's been complaining about it for four days. I did a hundred, a thousand lunges, you know, like my legs were on fire, but there is no advantage to complaining. There is no advantage to being that person, you know? And I do kind of feel like, you know, I'm everyone's example to just suck it up, you know? That sometimes it just hurts, you know? Sometimes that hurt is actually what will make you progress over time. Um, and so um, once I got to, you know, I think it was at 500 flutter kicks and then 250 sit-ups, and then I probably did like 10 to 15 dragon flags, I decided, you know, 
I'd already had enough ab workout. So I think what I'm going to be doing the next week, and this is sort of what they talk about in the book, is you start to kind of put it together. Like one of the things was nickels and dimes. Um, it's 10 minutes, every minute on the minute, um, five pull-ups, and then 10 push-ups. I have to say that, you know, being strict about my pull-ups when I was doing, you know, 20 um, and and kind of getting my my hands, you know, at the lower parts of my my lats and and and, and really doing a very uh, strict push-up felt really good and something that I want to continue to progress on. Because let's be honest, I mean, like you can do that anywhere, right? You have to have a bar, you know, I don't care where you work. There's a conference room that nobody's in right now. You can, you know, bust out 20 push-ups, you know? And so that's what I'm really trying. What I'm really trying to do is kind of emphasize to the people that are just getting started, you know, do something. And so like in Robin's case, she might not be able to do strict push-ups, you know? So knee push-ups, um, you know, in the case of pull-ups, you know, rows are really good. Um, that's actually what, why Vicky is sore is because she's starting to realize that, you know, that the, the pull-up is a lot of lat activation. And so if you can get, you know, do rows, that will be helpful for your, um, your pull-up progressions. Let's see. Marilyn was saying I joined EDP right after completing Whole30. Um, yeah, you know, the, I, I, think that, I think that, you know, that's sort of the way things are. Um, you know, we see a lot of people that have lost a lot of weight, as an example, and then they, they use us as a way of reversing out of that behavior. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you, you know, I, I would highly encourage anyone that, you know, has a lot of fat to use, you know, if, you know, you know, we're not the only way out there. And so, uh, you know, if you did it and you were a little more restrictive than we would have probably liked and did a little faster than we would have probably liked, that's fine. You can still reverse out of it, you know, fine. It just might take you a little bit longer and, you know, there might be a little bit more of a price to pay. So Robin's saying, oh, honey, I can do strict push-ups. Actually, I did see um, Robin's video where she did the, that pull-up that one time. It is overhead squats that have me befuddled. I'll tell you, you're not the only one in terms of um, overhead squats. I, I sort of – I'm not a huge fan of the fact that, you know, there's such an emphasis on Olympic lifting for – athletes that are my age close to 50 you know i think if you're 26 you know you want an olympic lift that's fine i just feel like powerlifting is a better base for a lot of people and they could get you know more in i think i think robin is the one that posted the workout that that she was concerned about going, going in and doing today and I remember replying because she was kind of torn on if she should go. And I was like, I can pretty much guarantee you that you're not going to be able to walk for about four or five days. It had like a hundred overhead squats and like your three rep max on good mornings. Like who maxes out on good mornings? 
like <laughs> that's that's just not a movement you would normally you know like do the max amount of weight on um and some other stuff but i was like i can guarantee you you probably will be crippled for quite a few days doing that. Well, robin just challenged me saying that she could kick my butt on sit-ups that might be that you know that might be a check i need to cash robin i'm just gonna tell you that because you know i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to challenge you that the next time you're gonna have to pull out the devil's wheel do about four or five hundred on the ab wheel oh april we have we've done this before haven't we like like you know that i can do an ab wheel from a standing position i can too i think i think i think we should post a video of like 200 of them <laughs> it's gonna the video is gonna be cutting and then it's gonna be like a cut in the video and then it starts up again but our clothes are going to change. <laughs> I think the video is going to be like edited from your perspective, so you actually did it when you actually didn't do it. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm willing. You bring your ab wheel and let's videotape it in Greensboro, North Carolina, because I think you're bluffing. I'm not. Bluff That's kind of like Tom. Sometimes he works out in the garage, and as soon as I walk out there to catch up to check up on him, he's like. You know, doing bench press, and he's like ninety nine a hundred. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Every everybody wants to see sit up challenge 2016. So yeah, I'm I'm down. You know, I don't know. I see. I get bored with those kinds of challenges because people are like you know do a hundred burpees a day. And you you had you challenged me to that years ago. The hundred burpees a day for a month. Yeah, that was crazy. It was freaking horrible. We switched, though. As I recall, we switched, right, where we, we started off. Because it was, like, wrecking your shoulders. Yes, and I think I think we lasted, like, a week. Yeah. But we – I ended up doing it for the whole month, but we ended up switching to, to um, air squats to give our shoulders some rest. So Paulo's saying, uh, when most of the available fat to use is visceral fat, the workout meals approach should change, or is it just going to take more time? Um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, of visceral fat, I mean, one, it's sort of hard to, to know what is visceral fat, but if you're carrying, you know, an excessive amount of fat, um, certainly that you're probably a little bit more um, likely to have you know, excessive visceral fat. I, I think that when the focus is fat, you won't get there. When the focus is activity and becoming a better athlete, most of your best athletes don't have a whole lot of visceral fat, right? And so in my view, working on work capacity and trying to establish some better, healthier habits is going to be a, a real plus. Most of the, you know, when I had a lot of visceral fat and I don't now, I've done DEXA scans, things of that nature. But when I had a lot of visceral fat, I knew why I had a lot of visceral fat. There was no real secrets. You know, I was not doing very much and I was eating like a moron. You know, if you have a lot of visceral fat, there's one component missing. You might, have, you know, have kind of cleaned up your diet and, and, you know, eating mostly whole foods and things of that nature. But to really get to that part where, you know, you're 
building more lean tissue. You know, that's the other thing. Like listening to this thing, it just drives me crazy because, you know, when people talk positively about dietary fat, I don't disagree with them, but they never seem to want to talk about activity. And if they do talk about activity, they never talk about resistance training. And to me, you know, if we're talking about replacing fat with lean tissue, you have to talk about resistance training, right? And so I think that'll be part of the equation. All right, you guys. Well, we, we took a few questions there, but it is uh, past 8 o'clock. We're gonna shut this down. It was a it was a great call. I thought I thought this was a, a good one. I think that you know, in terms of like just setting people up for realistic expectations, this would be a, a good call. And 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 you guys, uh, you know, asked a lot of lot of good questions. So we'll uh, talk to you guys later, and we'll see you in the forums. Bye now. Good night, everybody. <laughs>